0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to Episode 202, We Can't Always Choose Our Circumstances. This week we're discussing Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2 of Battlestar Galactica, Razor, and Season 7, Episode 4 of Buffy, Help.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our Methodology. Alrighty. So uh, Razor. I actually, I forgot that it was like listed as the first two episodes of the season.
1: Yeah, it's Um, weird. I don't know why they did that. Really, Yeah, it
0: is kind of weird. And we should talk about that weirdness. But before we talk about that, well, I mean, we can talk about it as part of like the production notes, but I think you had some other production notes first that are maybe more interesting.
1: Sure. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe there's a production reason. Maybe it's like part of what block they filmed it in that like dictates that if it's an episode, rather, even though it's like clearly it's like a TV movie, so it's kind of like right. not really, other than maybe for internal reasons, I don't really think of it as part of season four. Um, but, um, yeah, and some of this I kind of mentioned before, but just to run through again, um, this, um, came out in November 2007, so it's about halfway through the year gap between, um, uh, season three, which ended in March, and then uh season four proper starts April two thousand eight. So this is sort of pretty much halfway in between. Um, and uh written by Michael Taylor, who wrote a bunch of season three episodes. Um, and uh one a couple awards um a VES award for visual effects, which I think is a visual effects award. So that's means something. Um, and actually an Emmy for one of the like short little features that went along with it. Um, and then it also had Emmy nominations for cinematography and sound mixing, um, and a Saturn award nomination for TV presentation and a Hugo for best dramatic presentation, short form, although it lost to blink. Mm. So, uh, Battlestar continuing, I think it's losing streak against Doctor (laughs) Who. Now that Doctor (laughs) Who is in the, in the playing field, it's, that's a contender, you know, it's hard to beat. Sure. Um, So, uh, yeah, so got some award recognition, although it's kind of one of those things where, not to say that this doesn't deserve any awards, and maybe some of the more technical ones like effects and cinematography are maybe a little bit more appropriate but sometimes i feel like things and this happens with doctor who sometimes where like if it's not been on for a while like if there's like a special episode it'll seem to get nominated kind of just for being like a special Mm -hmm. episode of something like there's some doctor who christmas episodes that i feel like shouldn't have been hugo nominated but they are because Maybe it was the only episode there was that year. Right, right. So I wonder how much of, if, if it is just, um, we're really happy to have Battlestar Galactica on TV when it's like been away for a year. Um, and maybe not. Maybe some of it's, you know, awards. And maybe some people like this episodes better than I do. And that's fair enough. Um, but, um, right, yeah, like it do, it is that weird thing of like, maybe it gets a slightly more prestigious reputation than it deserves as an episode simply because it's this special one-off event that bridges this gap in Mm. the story. Um, Whereas if you do watch it as just an episode of the show, I don't know that it quite stands out as one of the best ones. Um, But that's just me. Um, and maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit by saying
2: that.
1: Um, no,
0: that's all right. I feel
2: like clearly not. Clearly a, not
1: everybody agrees with it since it got award nominations. Yeah. So, um, anyway.
0: No, but I mean, I I think you're right. Like there might be a little more like, yeah, willingness to like overlook some of the flaws in this particular episode just because it's like they like the series as a whole and maybe think that it's more like this is representative of right. what should have been had there not been like a writer strike and a delay in production and right. You know, things like that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I find it hard. I mean, I, and I mean, when it comes to technical stuff, I often do have to sort of sit back and say, okay, like I trust that there's some sort of criteria that people are using for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it is I don't really know necessarily I mean um, I don't know that this had any better production value than the normal stuff but maybe because it was produced as like a TV movie and, and it looks like like it did have like NBC Universal like as part of the production mm-hmm. which I don't think is is what it normally got you know what I mean as b s g as a series I don't think had like you know a like universal Studios kind of behind it um mm-hmm. or maybe it did, and I'm just not understanding how all of that works but like like it does seem like this was like like it was produced as a movie like it it wasn't mm-hmm. unlike well you know talking about like the episode numbers like you wouldn't know it, but like, like, why is it get two episode numbers? Like, just because it's like twice as long as a normal episode really is the only reason. Like it, mm-hmm. there's no episodic like break in the, mm-hmm. in the action, you know, mm-hmm. that you can even really tell. I mean, maybe if you go like right to the midway, maybe there is like, maybe they do have a cut scene where it actually broke for commercials or something, but Sure, but there's
1: commercial bakes throughout.
0: There's no no part where it's like, oh, this is like a cliffhanger, and then this is what comes into the next episode. Like, maybe you could break it in the middle and have it, you know, air on two separate nights, but that's not how it was, like, produced. It was produced as a single thing. Um, And even looking at, so even looking at, like, the number of episodes in seasons... um, the first season had 13 episodes, but every other season, you know, two, three, and four, not including Razor, all have 20 episodes each. So, like, by including right. this, they they make season four 22 episodes. But, like, it's not like they took two episodes away from, like, the season proper to give to Razor. Right. Um, right. So it is a little weird in that respect, too. It's like you could have just said, hey... This Mm -hmm. is something that happens between seasons three and four, and it's not part of either, but I don't know.
1: Right, right. And apart from, I mean, we'll talk about it, apart from the kind of the most obvious bits of, like, hints and foreshadowing of, of, of stuff for season four, you kind of wouldn't even really need to watch it here. Like, conceivably, you could kind of slot this in wherever it fits at the end of season two and in some ways it might work just as well. Um, (laughs) you know, or just as,
0: uh, just as not well,
1: (laughs) or just as not well, um, you know, so I mean like, yeah, and we can kind of, uh, you know, pick at that a little bit more. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, There's no
0: chronological reason why you need to watch it now
1: here. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, I tend to agree that other than the more technical awards, um, which, you know, I I feel fairly confident that this is, you know, qualified to contend or win those. um, In terms of the storytelling, hard to disagree that certainly Blink and other things were more worthy that year in terms of how they structure a story and kind of tell it over the course of an episode or whatever. Um, mm. You know, so. Yep. Yeah, and I think it it does fall... I mean, we can kind of do all sorts of cryptic fic about why it is the way it is. <laughs> but maybe it is trying to...
0: Why are you the way you
1: are? Why are you the way that you are? Um, <laughs> I hate everything about... The way you, I can't think of Michael's speech right now. Um, So (laughs) I feel like it's maybe falling into the cracks between both trying to set up and be relevant to season four and also want to not quite start season four yet and be its own thing and be like, well, we want to have an episode or a feature length, something to do with Battlestar in the year break. Um, But we don't want to start the story up again quite yet. So what are we going to do? Okay. We'll tell a story about other characters in the world that you can explore their stories. So it kind of falls in between those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think it, talks about other characters but also they're characters that we either know or have heard about pretty much so it's like the stuff with Kendra Shaw is new but like we kind of know most of Kane's story already um so or at least we heard about it um so none of that is hugely surprising I don't think
0: well Um, and and I think some of that goes to why I actually do dislike it from a Story perspective. Because it doesn't feel like a new story. It just feels like... Right. All of the things that we've learned through exposition are... what. what like, you can almost like... It's almost like... Um, oh, gosh. What's his face? The fat one who becomes XO. Um, Fisk. Fisk. Thank you. Like, it's almost like they took the conversation between Fisk and Ty when they're at the still. And are just like, hey, let's turn that, that into like... Let's just like make a that a movie. Yeah. And... I mean throwing throw, in, right. throw and- in a few other elements, like um the the guy who becomes the new de- you know who replaces chief and uh I mean, man i'm do I'm terrible with the character names here um uh laird laird, thank you, and uh you know like some of the stuff that he says too, and then like one or two other things, and it's like like yeah, like you already know it's not even like. All right, so we've talked about like C.S. Lewis and surprisingness and Mm -hmm. um, I think some, well, so like even a little bit on Twitter, like we were talking about like the Doctor Who finale, which, okay, spoilers, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, about how like you were talking about how like, it's more about like, like we know what's going to happen or like Mm -hmm. who's going to still be here at the end of the episode kind of thing. And it's more Mm -hmm. about like, how it happens but like you don't even have you don't even have like the the luxury of like or not luxury but like the pleasure of like learning new things <laughs> about mm-hmm. what's happening and stuff i mean they do kind of make up the whole plot about like rescuing people and and there's like this hybrid aspect which we can talk about and maybe is
3: mm-hmm.
0: only the real new thing to discuss but like like all the plot points all the like beats of the episode are pretty much like known it's not even like Mm -hmm. you get to discover like the how and why of things it's like we've already been told all this there's nothing like really new here to discover
1: well and it just kind of occurred to me like it takes away a lot of the power of that conversation between Fisk and Ty where you don't know for sure if he's telling the truth or not and it's that that possibility that it might be true but it might not is part of one of the reasons that makes it scary Um, so I feel like if they'd known they were going to do this episode they would have been better not to have that conversation and Mm -hmm. let this come as a complete surprise of like holy crap look what she did you know like show her shooting her exo and show her decision to like abandon the civilians and everything um but they obviously told you all that already through exposition so yeah it is just kind of dramatizing what we've already been told and then it takes away some of the reason that was so scary in the first place um which was just that kind of ambiguity of it all um yeah. So it, yeah, in it, kind of trying to do it both ways, um, they kind of cancel each other out a little bit.
0: Sure. Um, I also think <laughs> there's a bit of a Nikki and Paolo uh, aspect <laughs> um, to this of like trying yeah. to get us to care about characters who were who were like in the background, but like they're trying to convince us that like we're important right. all along and. Right. And um, with Shaw specifically, like, it's like not even like, oh, there's these background characters and we're going to like tell you a little about them. It's like she became the XO. Like she was like a fairly significant part of like the Pegasus crew and like was friends with, not friends, but like a close associate of, you know, All these people who we've already seen and it's like oh hey look you know this person who you know nothing about like is suddenly like inserted into all of these important right um, right you know events and and discussions and whatever and like I don't know there's it's that whole thing of like trying to just like thrust someone into the spotlight and and make you care Mm -hmm. about them as a character but it, but like I never kind of really do, <laughs> like. Sure. Um. And I don't. Sure. I don't and know. Didn't like, we like just that's talk a, about. That's a sorry. I was just gonna say that's like a yeah a fault of foresight. Like I feel like this is just one of those things where it's like, they're like, okay, here's an idea for a movie, but we kind of need a new character to like make it work, and so we're just gonna create this character, and she's gonna do this and that and the other thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know but we're not really like she's not going to live past it and we don't have time to like introduce her earlier and so Mm -hmm. like like it's hard like there's just not enough like I don't know that they put enough effort into really making you understand her character like she, she doesn't I don't think I mean tell me if tell me if you feel differently but like I don't feel like shaw ever becomes a uh, you know empathetic or or whatever you, you want to have character but i feel mm-hmm. and which isn't always like like it's fine like you don't always necessarily have to identify with the character or whatever like mm-hmm. like i don't i don't think you, that's necessarily always the point but like i kind of feel like in this case they were trying to make that the point like i do feel mm-hmm. like like they were going for the uh we really want you to identify with this person who struggles with, you know, the decisions she's made and the things she has to do. In that sense, I almost feel more for Kane. Mm. I don't ever feel that much for Kane, but I almost feel more for her than mm-hmm. I do for Shaw. But I feel like they were trying to they were almost like pulling too hard on the heartstrings mm. with Shaw a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, you know, what, whatever. I don't know if you feel the same way or if, if there's something, yeah. that, you know, different that you feel there, but like, that's just kind of my thoughts about Shaw and her character and sort of the way they try to sort of wedge her in here in that sort of yeah. Nikki and Paolo way. <laughs> and, right.
1: Right. You know. I well, know. and um, I think that to take Nikki and Paolo as an example, um, spoiler alert for anybody who go watch Lost if you haven't seen it, you should have seen it by now. Um, and I don't. I feel they, like,
0: and it may be, it maybe Sorry, I was just gonna say it may be anachronistic because maybe Nikki and Paolo uh, came later. Nikki I don't, I don't remember happened. what episode they showed up on, but um,
1: anyway. I have to think about. They were probably around the same time. <laughs> I think it was. I think it's their season three. I think they would have been around the same time. So that's kind of funny. But I feel like that's maybe, I don't know if it's the lesson or a lesson of Nikki and Paolo was they did not work when they tried to pretend that they were there all along. Mm -hmm. Like as much as the audience was saying, we want to know the stories of the other people on the beach, that didn't work at all. Like, Mm -hmm. because we know that these... Characters haven't been important the whole time like maybe they've been lurking in the background, but like or I Think when they finally did work is in their last episode when they had decided to scrap the characters And what they did was I think embrace the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern aspect of them. Oh sure. We may think we're important because everybody thinks they're important, but like you're not that important to the story and you think you're a major character, but really you're going to get buried alive. And that's how your story ends. And that's like, it's this really bleak kind of like ironic twist of cruel fate where you think you're a major character and you turn out to be a minor character in your own story. Right. Like I feel it, and that's suddenly in that expose, it's like, Oh, Nikki and Paolo work. Like, Oh, and totally for that one episode,
0: Right,
2: they
1: they they serve a purpose, and they and it's a good episode, and it's fun and everything,
0: and um, and which is kind of ironically, it only works because it didn't work the other way. <laughs> like
1: right, exactly. <laughs> it's only in acknowledging the mistake of trying to integrate them that they find their purpose. Sure, which is to be this like completely pointless background character who is off on their own quest, which has no bearing on the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Maybe that's what they should have done is, like, have Razor be about, like, a character peeling potatoes in Pegasus's kitchen. Like, not try to make it be about this super important lieutenant who turns into the XO who's been there the whole time, except she hasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you do feel of, like, okay, why didn't we see her? Why didn't we see her with Kane? Why didn't we see her be one of like the bizarro characters who comes for like the greeting ceremony on Galactica. Um,
2: yeah.
1: well, it, and- d- it just feels shoehorned in when it's like, yeah, if they had embraced that idea of like, do the Rosencrantz and Gildenstown story where it's about some minor character who it's about the perspective of the powerless person in this awful situation. Um, right. Maybe that could have been a more interesting angle rather than to make it about yet another, like, bridge officer in the hierarchy. Right, right. Um, and actually, it, and really almost... struck me, it really struck me this time watching how much she kind of feels like an amalgamation of other characters rather than her own. Like, I can't believe this because in some ways I can't think of two characters more opposite, but um, she kind of seems to me like a cross between... Um, you mentioned Gaeta of like, okay, eager, ambitious bridge officer, who's like the all purpose jack of all trades in the CIC, but also kind of Starbuck, like the, like, you know, insubordinate um, military prodigy who has genius, crazy ideas that leaders promote her fast and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, you kind of take the efficiency and CIC stuff from Gata or Deer or whatever, and then some of the, like, lean, mean soldier stuff from, like, Ty and Starbuck. Sure. And then mush them all together and you get Shaw. But, like, does she do – beyond that, it kind of feels like what is she contributing that we haven't seen with other – Characters that we already are kind of invested in right. and even her thing of I'm a person who's made hard decisions Well, yeah, that's the story of everybody on <laughs> right, show. That's like, Literally just the had, story
0: of BSG We just
1: had a whole season finale where Lee gave a speech about how everybody's been forgiven for the awful th- crimes They've committed over the well, course of this show and that so that doesn't even distinguish her from like everybody else
0: that's part of my qualm with so we haven't even reached all my qualms. Like I've only mentioned one of them so far. Right. Like, but like, that's another qualm that I have is actually, so you mentioned like, you know, that it might be just as good having this episode, like, you know, in between season two and three rather than three and four. And like, in some ways that would actually be better because of that Mm -hmm. very thing. Like, like we're going from Lee and his speech and like, and even Adama, like, realizing, like, how much, you know, they've forgiven everyone and and that, like, even Baltar. Like, mm-hmm. like you may or may not like Baltar or, you know, like, we know, like, he had a gun to his head when he was doing that, you know, signing the, the kill order and whatnot. But, like, even if you, like, didn't believe that or didn't know that stuff, like... Like, there's that aspect of, like, even Baltar gets a pass. And, like, wouldn't, I don't know, going back to this, like, pre-New Caprica, you know, Mm -hmm. like, the horrors of, you know, what they did on the Pegasus, and and then, like, sort of Adama at the end with, like, his, like, oh, you know, I've had to make, you know, tough decisions, too, and I'm not sure I would have done anything differently. Well, except that we do know. We, we know right. that you did do things differently.
1: Right. And, and that's kind of the point of this story is, like, the road not taken.
0: like Sure.
1: Or, or one point anyway. Right. Which, again, maybe feels redundant because we've been told that before. Right.
0: Well, right. Like, we've already seen it. And it's not like we're even seeing it, like... I mean, I guess we're, in a way, like, we're seeing it through Shaw's eyes. Because, like, I would say she's pretty much the focal point, focal Mm -hmm. character of this Mm
2: -hmm.
0: episode. But like, so we do kind of see it like through her eyes, I guess. But like, again, like I just don't feel, it just doesn't seem like they do it that well. Um, Mm -hmm. Another character that came to mind um, when you're talking about like, focusing on like the characters who peel the potatoes. This is, this is Celix, right? This is the, I'll Mm -hmm. wash your very important laundry, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but like, in in the half you know in the normal length episode <laughs> mm-hmm. that they did her character there and not even like solely like they focused on mm-hmm. like other characters and stuff in that episode too like i feel like they did a better job mm-hmm. of like of that aspect of it and and yeah she ended up getting you know the promotion and becoming a nugget and all of that so like and mm-hmm. we i mean we've seen celix here and there throughout so it doesn't it's not like we're just like inserting her places. So like, I mean, there's different aspects of it, but that's kind of like the point is that like they did it pretty well there. I feel like of the,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm just, uh, you know, I might be, you know, important, but like all I'm doing is folding laundry and, Mm -hmm. and that's the sort of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, you know, Mm -hmm. moment that resonates more with me than anything in this episode. (laughs) Right, Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, we're probably, I'm maybe beating a bit of a dead horse, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's just not, I it just doesn't resonate that much with me. And yeah, like any lessons that we kind of learn are already learned. Any plot points mm-hmm. we find out are for the most part, except a few things maybe closer to the end. Um, you know are already found out but right anyway
1: right well and and i mean (laughs) who knows whether we'll end up using the outline that we wrote here because (laughs) our our first our first bullet point (laughs) is about like the flashback within flashback within flashback (laughs) structure and you said it's flashbacks all the way down um and i think that's part of the annoyance too it's like it just isn't structured very... Especially, like, when you talk about this being um, up against Blink for an award. Like, sure. there's just a lack of uh, elegance to the way yeah. that it's done of, like... Even the flashbacks have their own flashbacks of, like... Okay, you're in a flashback, but then, like... And like you said, like, Kendra's or Kendra Shaw is clearly the focal character. But then we get flashbacks from... Adama, yeah, to and
0: his,
1: not even like, like Husker days,
0: and we get right, not even like a minute. It's like a fifteen-minute flashback or extended something extended like, flashback, like,
1: and and we get Kane too of like her flashbacks to her sister and everything, and it's like, yeah, who is this episode about? And sure, it it's just about whatever they want it to be in any given moment. Like it, even if maybe they had fully committed to a point of view character and really really try to nail some good characterization for like a one-off character that could have been really interesting mm-hmm. but it's like it's about her but then it's kind of not like you kind of realize she's sort of an excuse to tell the story which is just trying to give you some information about hybrids because that's going to be important later You're right um Is it really even about her when we can just randomly flash back to like Husker's memories of falling through sky with the old Cylon and everything. Right. Um,
0: Um, So and another character, maybe we could throw into the amalgam of Shaw is um, cat because like, there's also sort of like a subplot here of like, you know, like you mentioned like the insubordinate Starbuck and,
1: Right, but, and, like, the substance
0: abuse and... So, yeah, substance abuse, yeah. And, but then, like, also, like, the coming to mutually respect the person you dislike,
1: right? you know, and... Right, right, <laughs> the two of them is is Starbuck and Kat kind of all over right, again. It, yeah. Right,
0: exactly, like, maybe from a different angle a little bit, but, like, it's basically right. the, that same story. Um, right. Even down to the, you know, like... Well, Starbuck, again, doesn't die, but, like... You know, being the one to, like, you know, make the ultimate sacrifice, so to speak, or whatever. Like, right. Sure. Um, yeah.
1: Right. Right. Making the ultimate sacrifice for the team as a form of redemption is
2: Cat's... Right.
1: That's Cat's story. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And the kind of suicidal death wish is Starbuck again, like... Sure you know, or at least flirting with that is just again a story we just saw with her, so um yeah, it does kind of echo lots of other um characters' and, plot lines and arcs and everything and
0: and it's tough saying that because like like that's not always a bad thing, like having yeah, repetition right. and and echoes like and and you know tropes or motifs or whatever you want to call them like right isn't, that's, like, that's not even bad storytelling in and of itself. It's just, like, no. it doesn't see. it seems more lazy, or
1: Right, well, or, yeah, or, maybe because uh, it doesn't add anything. Cr- crutchy?
0: Like, I don't know, I don't know what the right term is here. Um Right, like, episode. does
1: it, does she do anything, does her story contribute anything new to the discussion, or is it a kind of greatest hits of right. of Battlestar characters and their and their different quirks. Or of like <laughs> take a little bit from different characters and kind of assemble them.
0: Or or if we're if we're using, you know, music metaphors, it's like, you know, the kids bop version of songs where they like it's like a different <laughs> mix, like just for like purely childish pop entertainment. Value. Sure. <laughs> I'm all right, maybe that's being mean, but like I don't know. I kind of feel like there is like an aspect of it where you're just kind of like, all right, yeah, like we've we've seen all this. All of this has happened before. <laughs> and it'll all happen again. So um I had another I, I, have to, I have to share my second office reference because I thought of it while you were talking about um you know, like like not quite fitting in or whatever. It's 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 like when uh you know, like when Michael takes the, uh, when he's, when he's dating Carol <laughs> and he takes the family photo of like her and her ex-husband and their kids like on a ski vacation and like puts his face in like the picture. And it's like, no, this, this just doesn't, this doesn't work. Like you can't yeah. just like do that. Like <laughs> anyway. That's
2: funny. Um,
0: All right. So. i mean i think we've hit most of like our first four bullet points of like yeah like there's like the flashback within flashback and yeah i agree like maybe if they had really picked that who that pov character was then maybe it would be better but like they don't so this is what we get um and it's like and even like the episode itself like the frame of the episode is a flashback because like it's been a while since like the pegasus even existed Mm -hmm. Like, let alone was under Kane's command, and so this is
1: basically set in late season two, right? Like, even the most the latest timeline that we see is, like you said, pre New Caprica, Um, Um, post Kane, pre New Caprica. In that general timeline, right?
0: So, uh, it is kind of weird to even go back, like, like even just have that be like the frame of the episode without like itself being a flashback. is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. And so like, I guess the only other sort of like meta element, you know, and, and, to, uh, and I don't know how much we want to actually go into like specific story details, but like the last sort of meta element is like the whole razor thing, which mm. at least I feel like is maybe an, I, I do kind of feel like, it might have been a little overstated and a little over dramatic. Mm-hmm. But like at least it's sort of a new way of looking at some of the themes of the show. So like I'll I'll give them that much. Like the whole mm-hmm. like you know, idea of being a razor in order to do like like being the cold, heartless, you know, soldier who has to do
1: mm-hmm. whatever
0: it takes. Um
1: well, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. And um, it's actually um, one of the interesting parts of it is somewhere in the Pegasus arc, I don't remember what episode it was, Kane says something about that. Like, so there's no explanation given. Um, but she says something about, like, get me some soldiers razors. And it's kind of like, what does she mean by that clearly she means something and whoever she's talking to knows what she means by that but it's this little code word that isn't ever explained so i think it's kind of an interesting idea to like oh there's an there was something maybe the one thing from that whole pegasus arc that wasn't already explored that like you can go back and say let's delve into what she means by that um and in terms of going forward right like it's not
0: like, like maybe the way she used it, you just sort of assume she's talking about, like, a specialized, like, type of, like, it's like a ranger, like an army ranger. Like, it's like, sure. you know, like, maybe a specialized type of soldier who, you know, like, they right. have marines, but, you know, maybe these are, like, even, like, elite marines. They're They're the SEALs or the, you know, yeah, rangers of whatever right. the colonial military system is.
1: Right. Yeah, like you don't you don't get any explanation. So like I feel like that is more good fodder for to go back in and maybe try to like there is something to explore that isn't just mm-hmm. reiterating what we've already been told. But in terms of like going forward to the story, I think um one of the lines that jumped out to me this time is in her explanation about being a razor, Kane says that you know, the war is making them, this war is making all of them razors. And I think to think about it in terms of the wider story, we've been told and here we see what Kane's decisions were and what that effect that had on the Pegasus and the effect it had on the people who worked for her and how kind of, sure, you know, uh, ruthless and ultimately messed up. They all were, um, But her kind of saying in a broader context, it's happening to everybody. And maybe she doesn't even mean it. She's not talking about Galactica, but I think when she says that I, the audience member here, this is making everybody like this. Um, And especially I think coming off of that season three finale where yes, it's about forgiveness, but it's all again about a speech about the terrible things we've done. And sure. it's not necessarily to say that we have been forgiven isn't the same thing as to say we'll never do it again, or we're now enlightened and above making these terrible decisions or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or that we'll never face a situation where these kinds of decisions have to be made again. Um, so I think maybe that's a little bit more subtle, like it does suggest something about the rest of the characters not just not just that Pegasus turned these people into these hardened weapons, but the idea that maybe that's what's happening to all of the all of the characters over the course of the story and everything um, or, or not, and maybe that's Kane's yeah. philosophy, and she's wrong about that, and that's but that's a kind of question that it sort of introduces sure.
0: yeah, and I, I mean right i don't i don't necessarily, like i don't doubt that that's what Kane believes i guess the question becomes is do we is, have is, to do, yeah does agree that, with that is that yeah. necessarily what we should believe or i mean and may uh, not should or i don't mean like should like is that what the writers are maybe trying to get us to think about or is that what um is that what does end up happening like like cuz there is a sense where like yes like I mean, yes, Lee points out and is right to point out like how much like everybody kind of has these flaws or things that they've done or or whatever, and so and some of them are truly terrible, like I mean you know, I don't want to like say like nobody does terrible things, but like Kane mm-hmm. does it in a more consistent and mm-hmm even more ruthless way mm-hmm. than like anyone else it seems like mm-hmm. and and so like while I can agree with like yes like war is terrible and makes us all do bad things and even like which is kind of what adama is saying at the end i still find it hard to believe that like we're that we're meant to believe that like adama would have made mm-hmm. these same choices mm-hmm. cuz i just don't know that he would have Mm -hmm. I don't know I maybe that's just I like the character and don't want to believe it but like I don't think I'm being naive like in saying like I don't think he would make all of the same you know decisions that Kane would because like he doesn't and he actively stops her from making some even worse decisions right Um, right like Yeah, like, no, I
1: don't disagree with that. Like yeah. with
0: things that come up in this episode with with uh as it, the interrogator. Mm-hmm. And um you know, Hilo and, and and uh uh Chief, you know, and Tyrell, and you know, when they stop him at, you know from using his particular interrogation method on, you know uh <laughs> Boomer or Athena or whoever, wait, who was it at that point? I forget. I can't, I can't remember which. Uh, which, is which at that? It point. was yeah, Athena.
1: Like before she was Athena. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, right. So like, like we do actually see, like we see Adama like say there's a point, like <laughs> there is mm-hmm. a line where you don't cross, and maybe, or like maybe if you cross it, like. That's not necessarily a good thing, but, like, like you can come back from that line. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, like, Cain has a bit more of the, well, I've stepped over it, so I might, you know, I might, as, if I'm going to sin, I might as well sin all the way. Like,
2: Right, right. And
0: Adama is kind of like, well, no, you, you can stop, or you can, like, you know, come back from that, or whatever. Um,
2: yeah. And I think yeah. that
0: that seems to be, like... Adama certainly treads that line and maybe does cross it from time to time, but isn't like there's not like a once lost always lost feel with him like there's not it's not like a right. you know well I've sinned, and I can never be redeemed, you know right. sort of thing right. like that like whereas it does feel like Cain has that attitude right,
1: and maybe that's the biggest difference between the Pegasus characters in the Galactica is there's that sense of nihilism with the Pegasus where the Galactica folks, even Baltar, can be forgiven. Um, not everybody will always be happy about it. But there is... Not yet have we seen anything that's totally irredeemable or that's not the way the characters think about it. Like, you know, I think Lee's speech about forgiveness is frames it very much as this is part of human nature. Mm. And so we're all going to fall short and yet can be forgiven and, and all equally. So Um, we may not all sin equally, but we've all done bad things that we regret and have need of that forgiveness. Mm. And even the worst like Baltar or the ones that are considered worst um, right can have access to that right. um, whereas Cain and uh, Shaw both yeah like you said cross the line knowingly and then embrace the kind of guilt and damnation that come along with that of you know in the end Shaw needs to see herself punished and killed for it mm. um not because anybody's told her that that's just her own sense of justice, but very much like learned from Cain. Yeah. And I do get a sense too, of excuse making of, even Cain's thing about we leave people behind so that we can continue to fight, but flashing back to her abandoning of her sister. And it's like, ah, you didn't leave her behind so you could fight. You left her behind
3: so you, so could, you could
1: hide. Yeah. And that is human and not totally unsympathetic. But if you get the sense that her, like, philosophy of utilitarianism is sort of what allows her to live with that decision. Sure. Is, oh, I, 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 I had to go on. So that I could exact revenge someday. Um, When that doesn't seem to have been any part of her actual decision to run away on that particular day. Right. Um, So how much of her kind of bleak nihilism is a coping mechanism for things that you can't control or your own guilt um, or your own shame or whatever it is. Mm. So, yeah, I think... I think you're right that these are ideas that Kane is presenting, but we're not in any way obliged to agree with them.
0: Um, all right, so I don't know how much a story we need to go through. like I kind of feel like a lot sure. a lot I, of we've it,
1: talked around it a lot
0: um yeah a lot of it's like you know there's this there i mean there's a rescue plot they they're they're, uh, they're rescuing Lieutenant McGuffin and <laughs> his McGuffin crew um yeah, we don't even really know who it is they're rescuing um but apparently they were taken and put on this hybrid ship on this ship used for a hybrid not a not the ship itself isn't a hybrid. Right. Although it might be driven by one of the other hybrids. I don't... So there's, this, there's a bit of confusion going on here with, like, the hybrids. And they do sort of, like, talk around as, like, oh, yeah, and then there were, like, these other hybrids that, like, came along later and, you know... Yeah. They drive our ships and stuff. But, like...
1: And, I mean, speaking of things that annoy me, like, that scene where it's them all talking, standing around, like, in the hangar deck talking about what this hybrid ship could be, and it's, like, it's all the, like... People whose names appear before the credits, and you just know it was like, okay, we're contractually obliged to like squeeze these people in here. So like, sure, Baltar needs to be there. Athena needs to be there.
3: Right, you know, like
1: anybody who doesn't have a a scene elsewhere, like come and we'll give you some things to talk about. Like it just it does just feel like everybody marking time before we can get back to like the real story. Sure. Um. Anyway, it just is no, it, obvious it, it, and annoys me. It's
0: definitely true, um, right? Like they couldn't, right? It's like okay, we'll just schedule all all of you to come in on this one day. On
1: this one day, and, and so we, you can get not this and, scene yeah. out, and yeah. yeah, right. But they wouldn't. They didn't make a story like about those people if they had to use them. It's about something else, and we're just gonna kind of sure. shoehorn them in there. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah. So the hybrids, I guess. Uh, you know I guess a little shoehorned or not is the thing that I guess is most overtly trying to set up season four Um, sure and I guess it's kind of interesting to take a kind of element of the mythology that we know which is the hybrids and introduce more elements to that um I guess, expanding why they were like a little bit more about them that, okay, they were originally, this was, this was the first pass at a humanoid Cylon
2: right?
1: and it kind of didn't work and was creepy as heck. So they, the way Athena says it was an evolutionary dead end, they kind of abandoned this whole train of thought, kept a few of them... To operate the base ships, so they're sort of they're around in a kind of modified form, but eventually the humanoid Cylons that um, were created were from a whole other experimental
0: yeah another strain, field so to speak yeah, right
1: right um, but so I guess that's kind of you know an interesting idea somewhat sure
0: and probably of the episode like it the hybrid stuff is yeah, maybe the most interesting aspect of it. Um, and, yeah, because, I mean, there is, like, I do feel like in the whole show there is that question of, like, how did you get from, like, these clunky, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
0: uh, mechanical-looking, you know, Cylons to the human, or you know, human-looking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fleshy skin mm-hmm. jobs that we, you know, now see. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, I, like, that that is definitely a question that they haven't really talked about much in which. Um, but then again, there's, like, this, like, Adama. Oh, well, there was that one time where, like, <laughs> I accidentally, like, was shot down over this thing where Cylons were doing uh experiments with these like human kind of looking things that were sort of half machine half human and right. it's like this oh whole thing you just I've never mentioned you just before brought this yeah. up now like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
1: right oh maybe they were like kidnapping people and you know experimenting on them and yeah okay maybe and mention oh, that and know. not even
0: like it's not even like oh yeah that just like that was this weird thing that happened to me like somewhere along like the fighting. It's like, it was the day of the armistice. Like, like it was literally the day that like peace was declared. Like,
2: right.
0: like well, it's not something like... that you would, like everybody knows where they were like on VE right. day or like when right. the Berlin Wall came down or like when JFK got shot. Like this is like momentous moment in like the history of the colonies.
1: Well, and you feel like the only reason it happens at that moment is so that you don't question why they never like followed up on this. <laughs> like, why did we never like learn what this was? Oh, because peace was declared and they escaped with the evidence, so we just sort of figured it well enough alone.
0: Yeah, but um, but then there's like stories of like bulldog, you know, like like where sure. it's like they had like secret you know, incursions into Cylon space. Like, do you really think that, like, like, they couldn't have come up with, like, a sort of, like, a spy story of, like, the time where, you know, we sent someone to try to figure out what was going on with these hybrids? Right.
1: The time that Ty had to go behind enemy lines and... Sure. You know, Which, given
0: given the most recent revelation, might be the most interesting story to have him... Sure. Oh, geez. ...be, like a Cylon infiltrator and wondering why like it's so easy for him you know
1: to get through all their security or or,
0: or better yet not wondering but someone else questioning why it was so easy for him to you know Mm. do that and like like I feel like there's definitely some interesting ways you could take that Mm -hmm. I mean and I don't want to be too critical because like I said this is like, the hybrid stuff is sort of the more interesting act of this episode. So I don't want to, like, dump all over the, you know, one thing that actually...
1: No, I think the idea is interesting. It's just not presented very well. Yeah, I just... Like, the the information they want to convey is interesting and important. It's just the vessel that it's carried in is kind of um, we... uninteresting and bland and everything. And we also need to talk about young adama
3: because
0: <laughs> I, I don't know his
1: like adama voice cracks adama
0: down. voice is precisely <laughs> one of the things that i wanted to bring up but also like, like
1: kind of doing a edward almost impression a little like bit like i not a great one yeah
0: i right i don't know i honestly don't know if i like this young adama better than adama just pretending to be young <laughs> like like why couldn't they just, just like slap a mustache on him and like
1: sixty-year-old <laughs> mustache <Adama, laughs> Like pretending to be twenty-two?
0: Yeah, just oh have him God. do that again. Like, but again, I mean, we criticize that, so I feel bad criticizing this young no, Adama. No, I do.
1: I do prefer this. Um, I will stake my flag and say if
2: fair if enough. you're gonna
1: do like an extended flashback, yeah, I prefer like get another actor.
0: Um fair enough. Um but it does feel disjointed because we've already seen young Adama who wasn't actually young. Right. And this so, is like
1: this is like six months later or something. <laughs> right. right.
0: <laughs> it's like right, and it is. It's like after we saw young Adama before, because that was before they went into like yeah. training, wasn't it? It's right. like it's
2: like I'm your new shipmate.
0: Benjamin Button Adama. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah, so anyway, I, you know, okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh <my> sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pick on this episode more later. Um, not too much later cause I don't want to go over our hour. Um, so in the next six minutes I am going to pick on it some more, but for okay, this, that's fine. for this piece at least, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know that we need to, you know, so I guess the question is, like what I'm not entirely clear on is is the hybrid experimentation still going? Like is that why these people are like for the frame of the episode, you know, there are people missing. Like are they mm-hmm. is like it seems like the idea is that yeah, they're missing because like there's experimentation being done on
1: them, right? Yeah, I guess so. But like um or is it like I'm just thinking of this now, but is it like this particular ship with of whatever they call the guardians or whatever that are yeah. guarding this original hybrid, have they like not been told like, guys, you can stop. We, like we, well, we right. abandoned that, and they're just out there in space, like not connected to the main Cylons, but like kidnapping random people and like continuing because nobody told them otherwise.
0: Right. So that right, that was going to be like my other part of it is yeah. Like, is this like is this a, a like a Cylon? Like a separate Cylon sect now, or something like like they're just doing their own thing separate and
1: it and it might be because that's the point, right, is that we're told that this whole hybrid idea was was abandoned as not
0: which is which
1: is interesting I,
0: I guess if we're trying to like yank some kind of like interesting thing out of it, then that kind of implies then that the cylons aren't as ruthless as the humans are because they don't like, like why wouldn't they just put to death like the hybrids once they're done with the experiments? Right. Mm. Like that seems to be like, I mean, I know like they leave the planet and Mm -hmm. like Adama's sort of abandoned there. But again, like, I don't know, whatever. Like, like there is that sense of like, Oh, they stopped the hybrid experimentation or whatever. And yeah, like maybe they've got some, on their base stars and whatnot, but, like, that's just because, like, they had some extra parts left over or whatever, but, like, this hybrid is presumably the same one that Adama would have seen back then, like... It seems like it, yeah. And so, like, like, he's still kicking around, and it's just like, oh, well, the Cylons must not have put him to death then, and Mm -hmm. just kind of let him go off and do his own thing. And... Like, that's the question. Like, how long has he been doing his own thing? And, like, like has he sort of been out there, like, during the whole 40-year, like, armistice? And and just kind of traveling the galaxy, seeing the sights, like, with his knapsack nap on his back? Like, I, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird just, mm-hmm. like, that he's out there and doing his own thing. But also then, like, like, he has this sight, right? Like, all the hybrids are kind of, uh, mm-hmm. Precognitive and, you know, not right. quite sane, um, and so he sort of has this sight. So, like, I don't know. I guess he would, he, like, he knows that he's about to die, or so it seems. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just a very weird situation overall. Like, I, I can't quite put my finger on what it's doing there. But, but that idea of like. The Cylons didn't kill it or, you know, put it to death, which seems like something that had it been the humans, like, certainly mm-hmm. uh Cain would have. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's the point of this episode, I think, right, is that, like, we see her ruthlessness and whatever. And, right. like, probably well, even, I mean, like, Adama and Rosalyn would have been okay with that.
1: Right. Well, and that's what they do. They nuke the ship.
0: No, but I mean, like... Like human experimentation. Like if this was like, like mm-hmm. you would think that like the Cylons, given how much like they were sort of doing their experimentation, like you think of them as like the ruthless ones, mm-hmm. but they're not the like like there's more human on human killing here, mm-hmm. for like, uh, you know, uh. <clears throat> whatever, survival's sake or whatever, then there is Cylon on Cylon killing.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Now throughout the rest of the series, there's Cylon on Cylon killing, and and that Mm -hmm. comes to be. But like, that's the, that's sort of maybe one of the more interesting takeaways to me is that like, like the Cylons didn't even like euthanize their failed experiment, right? Right. They set it free to go do what it needed to do. And it's the humans when they're killing it. Sure. Whereas the humans, are willing to kill each other for like spare FTL drives, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know? And so like, yeah, like there's a, I don't know, morality or like you, you mentioned utilitarianism earlier, which I'm not even sure that like quite fits because like, Mm. certainly there's more people on the 15 civilian ships they stumble across than there are on the Pegasus, which I think, we here has a smaller crew than even the galactica right like it's smaller but like can run more efficiently so it's like Mm -hmm. a a more powerful ship maybe but like doesn't need as many people to run it so like Mm -hmm. across like 15 civilian ships like if you're talking utilitarian like there's more people there you know from a utilitarian perspective to like take care of than you know right uh Cain has so anyway. I feel like right. I'm fumbling well, around, but like like that that whole idea of like the Cylons being maybe more merciful to their own kind than right. humans are is kind of an interesting one of the more interesting aspects of this.
1: Well, and, and it's so to, and and so, and it's a
0: very subtle point, I guess, is part of the problem.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, it isn't. It isn't because so two things. Um, I'm trying to make sure I remember both of them. Um, that's what the silence have been saying all along. <laughs> you know, is like A subtle you know, point
0: in this episode, maybe I should say.
1: No, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it is subtle, but it ties into like a more long-running theme. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, it if doesn't if it doesn't prove their point, it at least gives some credence to their point. It gives some weight to it of like, okay, we are seeing demonstrations of ways in which the humans are crueler to their own. Um, But then also, um, I think there's a kind of interesting and cool parallel between, uh, like you mentioned, uh, stripping the civilian ships for FDL drives and other things. And so you have the humans ripping up machines for spare parts and you kind of have the machines ripping up humans for spare parts. Sure, sure. Which is like, you know, depending on your perspective of life in the machines and the Cylons and everything. I'm not saying one is worse or better or that they're equal, but I think there's an interesting parallel there. Um,
0: Certainly. Yeah.
1: So, and both are destructive and cause death and suffering. So in that way, maybe they're not so different. Um, They're both kind of drifting through space, taking what they can and don't mind if they take things that people need um, whether it's you know a limb or an FTL drive, you're taking away a vital piece of somebody else. What they need, um, taking away from them for your own purposes. Yeah. So, so I think in both cases there's a kind of careless cruelty to it. Um, uh, but in both cases, maybe neither sees the other as being truly. Alive or worthy of life. So they don't see that it's all that bad. Sure. But anyway. Um, Last.
0: Uh, mocking of the episode. Not mocking, <laughs> but pointing of, out of its flaws. Um, the So Say We All moment. Is just done yeah. terribly. Yeah. Like. Tr- yeah. Obviously trying way too hard to recreate the extemporaneous yeah. and and really well done version <laughs> from you know almost but i just like it's just way too weird and awkward and yeah
1: right, right. well adama had them all in a room together and here it's like a couple people start on the hangar deck and then kendra for no discernible reason seems to know that that's happening and switches on like the radio Mm. So that they can hear it. But like, how does she know that they're doing that? Sure. Like other than that, the script tells you, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And I want to say that that's the point is that they go through the ritual, but they don't have the passion that Galactica has because they're not inspired in the same way. But even that's not really communicated very Well, well, like it it like you said it seems more like they're trying to recreate the same spirit rather than do a kind of ironic subverted version of it where maybe they're saying it because they feel they have to but nobody really buys it. Mm. Um like I think that could have been interesting of like we have to act like we're really into what Kane wants and when like nobody really is, but we're too scared of her to say otherwise.
3: Sure.
1: But no, it's, they do it a little too earnestly, I think, for that to right. really come across. Right. Yeah. So there's that. So there's that. <laughs> they um, even screw up the so say we all moment. Um. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I so anyway, yeah. The I don't I don't know that we need to go into like any more character like
1: No, actually, um I, I don't think we need to dwell on it because we're gonna get plenty of it, but I guess the only other thing to mention in terms of setup is the the hints of Kara, you know, what the hybrid says about Starbuck. Um you know. Yep. So that's coming and we'll get more of that. And again, it just kind of, the, the fact that this is all a big TV movie, which is really there to set up that moment is a bit annoying. Um, like in, I watched like a short little special feature and like, you know, Ron Moore all but admits that of kind of saying, okay, we're doing this movie, but we have to find some way to make it relevant to the story. Okay. Well, Kara just came back. What if the hybrid gives a warning so that Mm -hmm. on the one hand, you're really happy that she's returned. And on the other hand, you, the audience have this sort of, um, dramatic irony of knowing that she might be not back for good reasons. And so you're setting up some tension there. Um, sure. Which is fine and good, except that, like, that's kind of one moment in a two-hour movie. It doesn't quite carry the weight of all that. But, but it's worth noting, I think, since that's kind of where season four picks up is, like, the return of Starbuck. So.
0: Um all right. Well, yeah. So I think I don't rem- I don't believe I saw Razor actually when I watched this through the first time. But I did start watching live when mm. season 4 started. Like I caught up, you know, sometime in the hiatus between season 3 and season 4. Season 4 proper. Not including Razor. And I don't think okay. I I don't think I actually So did you
1: ever watch this before I don't or think, is this the first time I have, you
0: saw it? I have seen it, but I think I saw it after. Gotcha. Like I think I went back and watched it and, and was gotcha. kinda like, eh, okay, whatever. Like sure. at the time too. Um, although I have not ever seen the plan. So when we eventually get oh, to okay. that, we'll we'll have to talk like that'll be completely new to me.
1: But new territory, um, yeah.
0: I did. I I at least saw part of Razor. I may I may not have actually watched the whole thing, but I do know that I I do know that I've at least seen part of it because there were certainly parts that I remember. Yeah. Um, But but not but so this was the point. Not in
1: like I didn't see it. I I had
0: seen all of season three and then started with the next episode, you know, of season four. So I didn't watch it in in this order. Which, as we've talked about, isn't necessarily important to do anyway, <laughs> sure
1: um, right, because all of the all of the ambiguity of is Starbuck good or bad is going to be plenty clear from episode one, even without razor um so yeah, so this was the point where you started watching. Live, like, as it aired. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: It, well, with the next episode, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, right. Interesting.
0: i mean, neither here nor there, I guess. Well,
1: I mean, if you can... I'm terrible at this, but if, if any of it becomes relevant to... If you can recall your... Yeah, I mean... Your feelings or your impressions, I never really... um, I don't always remember what my first more, impressions of anything was, but... More just
0: annoyance, I think that it was so long from the first half to the second half of the season because there's there's another year that goes by.
1: Right. There's like a full year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Right. And I mean, I know they did this in season two as well, but like the whole like half numbering of the seasons felt Mm. to me more like gimmicky to sell more DVD box sets than truly necessary i mean again like i know there's like the timing aspect so like you don't want to go a whole year you know another whole year before you release the dvd set so like there's that aspect and i get that from like a marketing and merchandising perspective but it also like as someone who like wanted to buy the the dvds
1: of something it's
0: like buying half a season for and not even like like it wasn't like it was cheaper to do it it was like Right, you get ten episodes, and it's the price of a regular season, and you're kind of like, "Eh,
1: come on here." Dude. Oh my god, it's not as bad as what Doctor Who does this day these days of part one sure. and part two when there are twelve episodes, so sure. it's six. I
0: actually six. noticed that, yeah, like the part one already is out, right? Like even even before right. like the yeah season even finale came
1: has aired. It was just nonsense because I mean maybe some people are buying them. I mean I'm I'll wait for the complete set. Sure, so that's but it is. It is annoying when you have a 12 episode season and you're like 6 episodes is not Yeah. Unless it's like a mini series that's designed that way. Like Right.
3: Yeah, you're right.
1: This is just an excuse for m- merchandising. Um And there's not even a break. So it makes no sense. Right. Um So that's worse, but this is the only thing I think it, that makes this um understandable is the strike. Is the sure. fact that there's that year um, and that's if why if it's a gap of like, if there's a month or two, you kind of feel like just wait, like right. you're fine. Just wait.
0: And that's why I I acknowledge that like I like I know they did in season two as well, where there was like a, it was like almost a full year I think between.
1: I don't think it was that long. I think it was like a couple months, maybe. Maybe it was oh
0: okay long. no you're right. It was September was the last episode, and then January was first, so it was longer than like maybe your normal. Because it, it started – it was like a summer season
1: okay.
0: for the first half and then came back in January. So you're right. It wasn't a full year. Um, yeah,
1: right. Not quite long enough to justify it. But but,
0: but I remember them doing it I – re- I remember seeing that and just being mm-hmm. like, all right, this is like getting to – because I think it was like like maybe they're – I don't even know if they're doing it with other shows now. Um, so, like, another show that I brought up, though, in our discussions, like, Suits, um, mm. does, like, it's a summer and a winter show. So it's it airs, like, in the breaks between... So they do, like, half a season in the summer and half a season in the winter. And it's, mm. like... But I don't think they are selling episodes like that. Mm. Like, I think they're still doing, like, full season, like... Yeah. sets and that kind of thing and i just remember this being like one of the first times of seeing yeah. that where they're like breaking up the season like in the dvd <sighs> set right
1: right
0: and maybe it's becoming more prevalent now than it was like with doctor who or, or other shows but I yeah don't, I, don't I don't know even any think... other
1: shows that do it i don't know why doctor who does yeah i was gonna that. say like i, I don't just to sell i don't think it's stuff, necessarily
0: but... more popular now or whatever but yeah. it just, like, I just remember that being, like, one of the first times I ever saw that. It was just kind of like, all right, yeah, that's a little ridiculous. But
1: anyway. Yeah, sure.
0: Anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk about season Well, luckily, four. we
1: don't have to wait a year in between. Oh, yeah, we can. Um, and I didn't have to wait a year when I watched it, and I'm glad, because, like, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, in the middle part, there are some big cliffhangers, so I'm glad. Uh that I I mean I am sorry I missed it live and missed the
2: exciting the water cooler
1: it. aspect of it. Um sure. but in terms of watching, um it would be tough to break up season four into halves and not be able to continue it straight away. Sure. Um I can definitely see that.
0: Alright. Well see I didn't think we would actually get a full hour and now we've gone over. Um there we go. So I guess uh Yeah, we can move on though. Um, Yes. On to Buffy, and I think so. On to Buffy. So I mentioned to you after after I had rewatched this because I actually forgot that this was the episode that was coming up. But um, this is like one of my favorite episodes I think this season, and Uh uh, I don't know that I would necessarily pick it for like Mm -hmm. when we get to the end of the season, but like, well,
1: we'll um, have to see.
0: But yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, but certainly as like a one off. Mm -hmm. episode that isn't really like heavy into the mythology of this Mm -hmm. season you know i i think it's probably one of my favorites um Mm -hmm. and so we can talk about some of the things reasons why but um where where would you like to begin
1: and are there any like correction notes to go with it or not really
0: well i mean so it's fine if not i mean you've got um uh, Brad Taylor. <laughs> uh, yes! <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know that it's, you know, a huge thing to mention. But, you know, for anyone who who watched Home Improvement.
2: Um, no,
1: that did take me a couple minutes to go, I know this kid. Where, where do I know him from? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Which is funny because I guess because I did watch that show somewhat, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have... Put him in the same time frame as this, like sure. that feels long ago to me because it was like. Whereas i since I didn't watch Buffy, it doesn't feel like part of my childhood so much. Right. So I think there was a little cognitive cognitive dissonance there of I know him, but like I couldn't figure out how.
2: Yeah.
1: Or it shouldn't have felt like he can't have been this young, but like I don't know. And um, and this it is it took me a couple minutes.
0: I mean, not only that, but this is after, like, because Home Improvement, apparently, I just looked it up. I didn't know this off the top of my head, um, ended in 1999. So...
1: Okay. So it did feel so like this is a couple sh- years, had to have been a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, this
0: is a couple years after. This is 2002. Um, okay. And...
1: All right. Not too long later, but... So,
0: yeah. So we're not talking, like, terribly long, but, um, yeah, it it is. And I feel like with, like, other... Care, you know, other actors who maybe we might recognize on the show, on Buffy, like, fit into a different milieu, if you will, than, mm-hmm. like, Home Improvement, which ran for, like, ten seasons or nine seasons yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, it, it was on a long time, and and, I mean, certainly at the time, everyone, certainly every, like, young woman watching this show at the time would have known... You know, for sight right. Like it wouldn't have taken them a couple of minutes to to place. Uh, no, Zachary Ty Bryan is uh, no. the actor's name. No, if I
1: if um, I'd seen his face more recently than like fifteen yeah. years ago, it probably would have um, triggered a little. And hey, uh, if it had been Jonathan Taylor Thomas, right. it would have been even faster. Sure, you know? <laughs> sure.
0: I mean, so. right. He was he was obviously the heartthrob, which actually uh, a funny tidbit I also just learned in researching for this episode um is that uh Zachary Ty Bryan is actually a month younger than Jonathan Taylor Thomas um hmm. even though he played his older brother on interesting home improvement but anyway we're not talking about home improvement <laughs> um but you asked about production notes so I felt like at least had to mention him um as as a guest star here yeah um
1: well and I feel like I know Cassie too but I looked her up and and yeah. she's been in a lot of things, but not things that I've necessarily watched. So sure. maybe um, it's just one of those faces that you see and she's she has recognizable, but
0: she has a very drew Barrymore ish face. I think. Sure. Um, sure. And, and it, so it that seemed might be, like
1: somebody who I felt like I knew from another sitcom and couldn't yeah. place her. But, so
0: sort of her, her, her pre, yeah drew
1: Barrymore. Yeah. Her
0: pre Buffy, uh, name to fame is, um, co-starring with uh, Selma Blair uh, on Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane, which I never watched, but I guess was like a WB slash CW show about four people with those names Um, uh, in like a high school. It only aired for like a couple seasons um, sort of simultaneously uh, with Buffy, I guess. Although I guess I would have been... I don't I don't remember the timing well enough if that was when Buffy was on the same uh, uh, mm. network or not. But anyway, so um, she was one of the, I don't know, she was either Zoe or Jane, I don't know which, um, in that show. Uh, and that's sort of like her, like she was on it, the show ran for two seasons. And, and then from there, she kind of, yeah, had all these like bit parts, um, had a couple of recurring roles on like CSI Miami. Um, and then um, just for other like Whedon-esque uh, connections, she was, on, she was on an episode of Bones. Um, mm-hmm. She was on an episode of Grimm, uh, which was produced by David Greenwald. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, she also... Um, uh, where was it? Where did I see? Oh I'm sorry, I thought I had all these like in a row here. Um oh uh, American Horror Story, which Tim Minear, um has written for. So um a couple other sort of weed in that I don't know how much her time on Buffy had connection there because she's done plenty of other stuff that yeah, you know, maybe doesn't have any uh connection there. But um yeah, it seems to be a lot of bit parts is. You know, whatever, but I mean, that, that always strikes me that she that her face sort of always reminds me of Drew Barrymore,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, a bit, and and maybe so there's a bit of a
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, possibly a uh, you know, visual connection that's made sure. there, um, of of the oh, I feel like she's familiar, but maybe not quite you know, right. familiar enough, and all of that,
1: right? Right,
0: um, but yeah, I think, I mean, she does a good job i think in this episode i think mm-hmm. um, i really like the characterization of cassie and i think um azura sky i don't remember if we mentioned her name that's the actress's name um mm-hmm. uh i think she does a really good job of sort of portraying well uh portraying cassie well and and um i'll kind of throw out there like and we can talk about this cuz the way we sort of ordered it is from Buffy's perspective and Mm -hmm. and what I one of the things that I like about this episode and and I think I texted this to you um sort of after I remembered that this was the episode we were watching is Mm -hmm. that um I like the way that this episode goes back to sort of the early season one perspective of you know high school as hell
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but totally takes you from Buffy's perspective as an adult Mm -hmm. and So obviously there's the, you know, counseling stuff that where like her job is now to listen to how high school is hell for all of these students that she's helping. But there's also Mm -hmm. like a hellish aspect for her as an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, having to talk to these students and not necessarily being able to help them. Like, like some she does, some don't actually need help and are sort of, you know. We can talk maybe through some of the different students that she works with, but, like, um, you know, that idea of, like, as the Slayer, you know, as someone who, like, fixes things for other people, if we, could, you know, sort of describe Slaying as doing that in a way, that's maybe a roundabout way of describing what a Slayer is. But, like, as a counselor and as someone who's, like, job and mission in life is to, like, help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the metaphor or hell of it for Buffy, I feel like, in this episode, is that she can't help. And, mm-hmm. and that feeling of powerlessness, even as, like, an adult, as someone who's supposed to, like, have it figured out, or, you know, I mean, not that we, I mean, we saw Buffy last season, and how figured out does she actually have it? Like, we know but i feel like that's the that's the thing that kids and especially like kids who are teenagers and whatever are like like that's the perception of like oh as an adult like adults have it figured out and like when i'm an adult i'll have it figured out and like mm-hmm. like that's as as the counselor like buffy is supposed to maybe be portraying that aspect of like i can help you and i can help you figure out what you need to figure out and mm-hmm. and the sort of helplessness you know the hell of high school for buffy as an adult is that she is actually helpless in this case no right. matter what she does up to right. and including like kicking ass as a slayer <laughs> like right you know well yeah
1: and i want to talk about that the way that her she integrates her counseling and her slaying roles and duties and everything
0: so i you know Um, i'm sorry i hope no that's a really
1: that's a really good point i
0: hope i didn't like jump the gun and and whatever but i mean i i've always really liked this episode and i think um you know again the acting the characterization i think is all really well done but also that metaphor of like like it's Mm -hmm. like high school is still hell like (laughs) you know going back even as an adult like there's still a hellish aspect of it that kind of needs to be deal with and it has nothing to do with like a particular monster or mm-hmm. you know evil person or whatever like it's it's just right. the way it is like there are some people you just can't help and uh right. you can't always choose your circumstances to uh pick the line that we used for the episode here but anyway.
1: well and that the um the metaphor and even the monster if you like is not so much the, the demon or even uh the the boys or the cult or whatever it's 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 cassie's precognition it's her sense of she knows what's coming it's that kind of that's the thing that Buffy can't fight is mm. you know whatever whatever gave Cassie that sense of her fate, which in the end I guess is the metaphor for Buffy's inability to fix the lives of other people. Um, So, yeah. All right, let's start going through, because I think we can unpack those things a little bit more, but um, kind of as we learn about them. Um, Because it's really structured as sort of a mystery of you're kind of given a problem early on and then most of the episode is the slow unraveling of what does that mean and ruling things out and sort of figuring out or not figuring out what the the answers are. Um, So yeah, it starts with Buffy going to her job. Um, She's started already, but now the counseling has started. So I guess she's been doing her orientation getting to know
2: mm-hmm.
1: her desk, her office, what her, her roles and her duties are, getting to know maybe student files, that sort of thing. But now students are going to be uh, sent to her for counseling. Um, and I'm not a counselor at my job, but I do meet with students um, and who come with questions and problems. And it is very much that nervous thing of, you feel obliged to fix it for them. And they kind of expect you to, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Like they'll come in very clearly with a, in my case, it's something simple like these two classes conflict and I need both of them. But they kind of expect you to be able to say, well, we'll move a class to accommodate your schedule. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like they maybe come with us something that isn't, there maybe is no solution other than talk it through with them and try to figure it out but i can kind of relate to buffy's that feeling like because they come in with these expectations you want to Mm. you want to respond you want to be able to say the right thing that's going to put them at ease or have that solution that is going to make everything sort of work out and uh be all okay um So I think, I mean, for anybody who's certainly worked in any sort of working with students or uh, counseling capacity, that's a sort of relatable fear. Um, And Willow even mentions on top of that, you know, Buffy has no counseling experience, never held um, a job other than her double meat palace uh, fast food service job. so she has all of the anxiety of that inexperience on top of it as well. Um, mm. So, um, so yeah, her first day. And so I kind of wanted to go through the vignettes of the students that she talks with before we get to Cassie. And they are kind of to varying degrees of severity and seriousness. Um, so we get a couple of their names, not all of them. So I'm not, maybe I'll mention their names. Cause I'm not sure who's like going to be a recurring character. We might see again. I'm trying sure. to kind of keep an eye on like who might be important here or maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe none of them. Maybe none of them. But anyway, so uh, I think we get Amanda's name. So she's mm-hmm. the, the girl with the brown hair um, and uh, comes in with, you know, Uh, some guys that are picking on her and Buffy very sincerely and unknowingly, I think kind of trots out the same things that this girl has been told by probably every adult that she's spoken to so far um, about the insecurity of the bully and how it's really just a mask for their own fear and everything. Um, And you just get the sense of her frustration with that, of like being told the same old thing by the adults. Um, You know, if everybody's insecure, I'm really tired of everybody being so insecure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she kind of talks about how she jumped one of the guys (laughs) and like beat the snot out of him and everything. Um, So... Which, you know, kind of given where Buffy's story goes later, I think is an interesting little bit of foreshadowing of like, you know, I guess you don't think of it so much with teenage girls, but they do tell boys that to, hey, if somebody bullies you, you can stand up to him. Um,
3: right.
1: So it's sort of like she does get to the point where uh, being sympathetic with their insecurities is not going to do the trick. So maybe t- giving this... Guy, a piece of his own medicine will be, you know, or, more effective.
0: Or the the Malcolm Reynolds way of if someone ever tries to kill you, you kill him right back. Kill him right back, right. <laughs> right? Right, but yeah, no, you're right. Like there, there's definitely like a difference in advice for you know, based on gender and expectations. There, um, I, I think. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> as a girl, like, were you ever told to hit people? Back?
1: <laughs> no, I mean I wasn't ever really bullied, so maybe sure. nobody ever, uh, you know. I mean, uh, I I know like broached the subject, but I feel like you hear that, like certainly that's the impression I have that yeah. boys are told that, and I I don't have the sense that girls are to the same extent.
0: Yeah, well, um, I mean, I I mean, I have two daughters, and and I I know my my ex and I, you know, their mother and I have never encourage them to fight you know my my advice or or whatever has always been to them you can stop them from hitting you like you can always stop someone from hurting you but you can't hurt them like and some and maybe that does take a punch to the face like if if they're like being persistent or whatever like maybe there is a an aspect where that includes like punching someone but but at the point where it becomes you're just like hitting them or whatever, like that's not okay. Like, well, like there's defending that's... yourself and then there's like yeah. beating someone up, you know.
1: And she seems to go to that over that sure. line that like it's not just a guy was picking on me and I like pushed him away. It was right. I like waited for him and, uh, right, you know, jumped him after school. Maybe like there's
0: that. a escalation and a bit of vindictiveness right. or, or vendetta about it then rather than right. just pure, like defending yourself to it.
1: Right. So, and then she says like, that's why she was sent. So it's not really sent as the victim of bullying. It's that she's <laughs> sent to the counselor when she turns it back around on the bully, Sure, um, you know, which I guess could have an interesting comment about the cycle of bullying and violence of like, yeah, it's just, maybe it is just insecure people and and i think pushing that off onto somebody else and
0: i mean you know. i think there's also a sort of humor aspect to it where you just don't expect that that's where i mean and you know probably because of gender expectations you're not expecting right. this to go in that direction right like right, you know, right. like you're not you know she's she doesn't look like like she looks maybe a little you know weak or, or passive or like, like you're not expecting right. Amanda to be like, Oh yeah. And then I beat the snot out of him, Right. There's right, also, right. so, um, the actress, since we're talking about actors and actresses, um, did you recognize her? Um, no,
1: but everybody's familiar in this episode.
0: Sure. So, um, ha- have you ever seen freaks and geeks?
1: Like a couple episodes, oh, okay. not the whole thing. She,
0: she yeah. plays a character, a recurring character, not one of the main characters, but a recurring character in Freaks and Geeks. And so, which I think, again, would have been like very similar, like maybe just a couple years before this or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, might've been recognizable to to folks who had seen her in that. Um, yeah. And she's gone on to be another, I think, of one of those people who, like, appears in, uh, you know, a bunch of different um, things. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find the actress's name here real quick, and I didn't write it down. I apologize. Um, <clears throat> uh,
1: no worries. Anyway, um. so, yeah.
0: Uh, but, yeah, so she's gone on to do a number of other... Uh, Sarah Hagen is her name. Um, gotcha. and, uh, but yeah, she, she was in, I think the, I don't know if it was every episode, but throughout the, you know, one season of Freaks and Geeks, and then went on to do some other, uh, some other stuff and, and has, you know, had bit parts here and there throughout,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know, the rest of the time after that. But.
1: Sure. Anyway. Okay. All right. I'm going to try not to dwell on these students sure. too much. Cause I don't want us to like not get to spend time with Cassie. Um so there's the kid in the hoodie, which I just realized, of course, is the black kid is the only one who doesn't get a name, which is terrible. <laughs> it just sure. occurred to me. And I'm looking at all four of them and they all get names except for him. Um so but I mean he probably, you know, has the most serious actual counseling needs of all of them um you know that so he comes in and uh doesn't want to talk at first but um Mm. ends up that he's worried about his older brother who's a marine and so he's uh stressed about the future and what happens if uh both what happens if his brother dies but also the brother sounds pretty tough himself so there's probably Mm. just some anxiety of the relationship in general like even if he survives and lives it sounds like a a pressured home situation um so yeah which is you know which is good i like the way they show that buffy's sort of willing to take the lead of the student and not kind of force him, but just to wait till he's ready. And you kind of see her, um, being a good listener and following the cues of the person, uh, who she's talking to and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just that one kind of scene with him. So, um, uh, we don't get too much more detail than that. Um, but, okay, so then moving on to... first I called him Jock Kid, but um, <laughs> Zachary Ty Bryan, who's uh, Peter, um, who uh, is the total faker, you know, worried about everything, which he's not really worried about anything. He just wants to get out of his classes. Right. Um, and setting him up for, you know, popping up later in the story and everything. Um and then, uh, the boy in the glasses, whose name is Josh, who's worried that he's gay, but really just wants to date Buffy. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than kind of demonstrating the the array of different problems and non-problems that the students have to talk about, um, You know, I'm not sure that there's too much more to dwell on unless there's something in particular um,
0: that you wanted to point
1: out about the group.
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, we won't see Zachary Ty Bryan again, but I won't comment on the other kids. Sure. Uh, You know, because we may or may not see that. I mean, you know, just like, well, just like, say, Jonathan or one of the other, like, extra kids in the high school, like, you know, we may have Mm -hmm. one or two of those pop up here and there.
1: Right. Right, Um, Like recurring characters and stuff. Um, Okay. So then Cassie comes in. um, And so she's kind of been sent because she's not doing her homework. She was uh, maybe not a star student, but a good student. Somebody doing well in her classes and involved in things and seeming happy who then started to just decline in all those areas and kind of comes in not seeing the point of dealing with all of this high school stuff. Um, so it kind of seems like it's setting you up for the suicidal teenager metaphor. Um, Mm. until she, Kind of very plainly and sort of cheerfully explains to Buffy like, "Oh no, don't misunderstand. I'm not suicidal. It's just that I know I'm going to die next Friday." Um. And yeah, so you Buffy and the audience are kind of not sure what to do with that. Um, yeah. And I don't know how far to take this, and I don't want to get into like drawing out parallels or whatever, but um, having recently like a couple months ago, watched 13 Reasons Why when it came out. Um, Mm. It kind of, I don't know what conclusions I have to draw from the parallel, but it kind of made me pay more attention in this episode just to see like, okay, how do they deal with this idea? Um,
0: I, I haven't seen that, but I sort of know the premise um sure
1: right well and and i think obviously this is a subversion of the suicidal teen, so it's not doing the same things um but um kind of to spoiler alert it a little bit um that story ends up turning on the kind of uh, a very frustratingly depicted uh the role of like the counselor or the lack of role of the counselor. Sure. Um and so I think it's kind of interesting then to get a story kind of like that about a, a, a teenager who comes in talking about the pointlessness of life mm. to her school guidance counselor and kind of looking at Buffy in that role. Um you know, and whether sure. that's right or wrong very much that's how that show presented it as this counselor is a vital part of that. And their lack of doing what they should have done is very instrumental in what happens. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, uh, I mean, I like the way they show Buffy's dedication to solving this problem. Um, and I mean, I guess jumping slightly ahead to her conversation with Principal Wood, he fits more in that role of, he's not really an apathetic administrator or teacher, but has more of that kind of world weary guy who's seen a thing or two and knows that you can't fix every situation. Sure. Um, And Buffy has the kind of optimism and can do attitude of, somebody on their first teaching assignment um, who won't take that for an answer Mm -hmm. and sort of has to, you know, and it's like, on the one hand, it's hard to dispute anything that Principal Wood says about, yes, it's true. We can't know what's going to happen. We can't search their brains. All we can do is do what we can. Like those are all perfectly true statements. Sure. But on the other hand, what does he do um kind of nothing that we see and it's it's buffy at least who tries to do something and doesn't yeah. just take the students word for anything but actually starts to actively um investigate um so sure. yeah it's kind of interesting uh difference between Principal Wood, the uh, self-declared like best principal that Sunnydale is ever going to have, yeah. You know, like, do you take his? Do you take his position? And I'm not asking you. I'm saying, right. In theory, do you take his position as wisdom or kind of cynicism? You know, or and is Buffy naive, or is she like the one who's actually doing? I mean, I kind of see her as. Even though it's naive, she's at least trying and doing everything she can. And that has to be the right thing, even if it fails. Um, But then, you know, maybe if Principal Wood has dealt with hundreds of students like this, and generally nothing happens, um, then who's to tell him that he's wrong in his approach? So.
0: Yeah, I mean, we still don't know a lot about him, like his history and where he's from and what experience he has and all of that. Right. Um, I mean... And, yeah, it is hard to know, like, how to take him. Like, is he... Like, maybe part... Like, maybe there's a third way of, like... Maybe he knows that by saying this to Buffy, Buffy will... Get down to it because he has. We know that he has read up on her and her personality and her. So maybe it's, you know, I don't. I don't want to say he's like mentor guy or anything, but like maybe there is an aspect to a, of it where it's like, hey, this is your job, Buffy. So if I say the right thing to you, like you'll take care of it, and like not that he's disinterested as a principal, but maybe it's more like. Like, he says, we do what we can, but then he doesn't really do anything, right? Right, yeah. Like, but maybe that's him saying, like, you do what you can. Like, as Mm -hmm. the counselor, like, do what you can, but also, like, you're not going to win every case. And he's kind of right, because she doesn't win, ultimately, Mm -hmm. in Cassie's case. And so there is an aspect of it, like... Like, some things are just out of your control. And, right. you know. Yeah. It, like, not obviously in the way that either of them are necessarily thinking of. Because they're thinking of it as, like, a suicidal thing. But, like, mm-hmm. like there is definitely an aspect of we, we just don't know what's going to happen. And, like, like, there's always that thing of, like, you know. Especially when you're talking about, like, free will and predestination. Okay. And... You know, prognostication and precognition—like—is the thing that you do causing the thing you're trying to stop, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like by interfering, are you actually like helping it come along, or is it going to happen anyway? And I'll also note here, Cassie—other than Joyce, cassie's the only other person who. We see like die of natural cause in mm-hmm. in the entire show, so mm-hmm. like like there's also kind of a callback to that in a way it you know a different issue not not the same you know health problem obviously but there's there's sort of a callback to that of like like there are just some things that you don't have control over, like sometimes people just die and right and no matter how hard you fight, no matter what you do, nothing would have changed it. And I think we can, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that we get enough to say one way or the other, and I don't want to necessarily try to influence you one way or the other about Principal Wood. And is he being sincere? Is he being, Mm -hmm. you know, neglectful? Is he, you know, what's, what's his sort of status here? Like, feel free to think what you think but like i do feel like there's a number of different ways and in the end he is kind of right so like for whatever that's worth Mm -hmm. like i would just point to that and and be like yeah like
1: right right and i think a number of those things are true and they're contradictory but they're true at the same time like i think he can be sincere and also neglectful. Like, he can be sincere in his opinion and his philosophy right? Sure. and yet not do his duty as a principal. Um. And he is right in what he says, but also, and in this case he happened to be right in that it was out of their, it, it was a medical issue, it was out of their hands. But also in the case of something that would involve you know, choices like a suicide or whatever you are definitely going to lose a 100 percent of the cases that you don't investigate into um and so maybe not in this case but in general is there a self you know a fulfilling prophecy there sure um and so and again yeah, and i don't i don't know that he is wrong in his in his general in the general point of you're not going to win every case. And yet, I, yeah, I think it's pointedly Buffy on her own who does the actual uh, attempting to save the life yeah.
0: here. But it I, so, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not necessarily saying Damn. I even agree with what I'm about to say. But, like, isn't, like, as the principal, like, isn't some of that, isn't, like, delegating that to Buffy sort of, Kind of what he should be doing, like because she is the counselor. And
1: well, uh, I mean, if in the case of like actual, um, no, I don't think in this case it is. I think, um, at I'll reference my workplace again, you know, um, we have advisors and and um, and counselors, and that's very much what Buffy is, she's not like a licensed you know psychiatrist Psychiatrist, or anything she's she's a school counselor she's an advisor and so i think in the case of wellness issues as we call them where i work um no there's a there's a there's a protocol of what happens when there's actual wellness components of mental health and and that kind of thing and so you very much would turn to your superiors and um you know, actual professionals would get involved if there were, if there was cause to believe there was any sort of self-harm. So like nobody would expect me as an advisor in my department to deal with a student who, um, like I would be expected to meet with them if they wanted to meet with me, but I would be, you know, I have instructions of what to do if I'm worried about a student. And I feel like That's kind of what Buffy is asking for is some direction here. Um, And she doesn't really get it. Um, Fair enough.
0: I mean, there might, this might also be, like, I don't know. I've never run across that. And I've never been in like a position like you where, you know, you're dealing with, students who are looking for advice or whatever so like i mean i can't necessarily say do you think there might be a, a era issue here like of like would that were, were those protocols in place sure. 15 to 18 years ago or whatever whatever I, time frame we're looking at um, i mean
1: that i don't know i mean i we have
0: like maybe that's a maybe that's a I, and I, I have no idea. I'm just trying. I'm just one.
1: No, and I think they have gotten more. They've got the, the protocol, let's say, has gotten yeah. more detailed and whatever. But I'd imagine, I mean, there's a counseling and psychological center that is a central office. And I imagine that that's been around for a while. Like, I would think that's been around for decades. Central office um,
0: for your university? For my
1: university of like right. a counseling. But and, what a and,
0: small town. You know, single high school you know place no. that kind of no, but you have resources
1: well, you maybe have central school district resources of yeah. in the case and, of, and i of i honestly have no,
0: I honestly have no idea if that would be the case in like the early 2000s or not here, so may maybe it totally would have been and'm
2: i yeah, and I I'm don't just, know like
1: how long have like suicide hotlines been around and yeah. I'm not saying I don't think that's necessarily um like a flaw in the writing of it. I think um, it's more like, cause I don't think the interesting story isn't let's watch Buffy go through the protocol of how to deal with a student in crisis. Like that's not
0: sure. Like, and I think
1: this isn't like the very special episode. No, no, like, I'm,
0: I'm I'm just trying, I'm just one, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to pin down like how much should we be pissed at principal wood for not,
1: and that's like my doing question doing and that's largely more. my question because I still don't know him. So I'm kind of yeah. trying to fill out to what extent is this like a failure sure. of, of principle <laughs> and a failure of like leadership here. Um, and maybe it is just a, I mean, maybe it's more sinister, but maybe it is just a, like, I, I've dealt with a lot of these students it never really goes anywhere. They say stuff like this, and like, you know, yeah. Or maybe he does not take it as. Maybe he doesn't see it as much of a red flag as Buffy is, and and he is trying to just push her into the deep end to learn how to deal with it so, on her own without his hand holding.
0: So, um, in in terms of like how Sunnydale High handles psychological problems. Keep in mind that, like, Jonathan was in the bell tower with a rifle and then attended prom, you know, a few weeks later. So, like, right. I, I just, right. I, like, maybe, maybe there's some perspective.
1: And uh, that's what I'm saying is I don't think it's a failure of, like, lack of realism. I don't think the it's not like, oh, if only this episode was more realistically reflected, like, how real schools are run, then it would sure. be better. Because I don't think that's like the point of the story. It's more, yeah, to me, more the interesting question is: to what extent do we? Does this reflect poorly on Principal Wood? Mm. Um, you know, and he is right in his, in ultimately about the inevitability of it. But does that make his action right? In this episode and I don't necessarily think that it does Um, because I think what we see is that Buffy does make a difference even if it's not the outcome that she wanted Mm. it makes a positive difference even if she doesn't save her life in the end Um, like I think we see that even from the first meeting with Cassie and throughout is how much Cassie appreciates what Buffy and Dawn try to do for her, and I, I have to feel like that is some bit of good, even if ultimately it doesn't change. It doesn't change that she dies, but does it change how she dies? I mean,
0: well, I
2: mean, and
1: we don't, we don't know that, but like
0: we potentially, don't know, but like we like, but we get potentially the, she dies in the, a
1: moment uh, of. It seems like maybe she dies in a moment of peace rather than being having her throat cut by some creepy voice,
0: sure, but we get the premonitions too, like Cassie knows that there's gonna be like coffee stains and coins and like sure, like stuff like that, so like yeah i don't i mean well, I don't know, but like right there is well, there I, is that free will you know versus predestination problem does does knowing what's gonna happen? you know force you to choose certain things or is it like you know you know what's going to happen but like you're still like free to choose how you act and react and it just happens to be that you're going to act and react in ways that are bringing about that future state like yeah we don't necessarily we don't necessarily know like if Buffy wasn't around then right presumably some something else would have happened and yeah, maybe it would have been she got her throat cut or something or maybe something else would have happened and she would have died of natural causes anyway or like mm-hmm. like it's yeah, there's you can't necessarily know but um like there's that moment where where Buffy says um, uh you know, you can still make a difference or something and Cassie's like and you will. And like the question mm-hmm. is is Cassie talking about Buffy in relation to herself or is it like, regardless of what happens with me, you'll still make a difference, but for someone else, like, like maybe she's talking about herself or maybe she's not like, it's kind of ambiguous there, but maybe that's kind of what you're saying. Like, maybe it's like by acting Buffy is, she's still making a difference. And maybe it's not that the difference isn't that Cassie lives, but it, it is that she's like with a friend and Mm -hmm. maybe it's easier to bear what her fate is other than might otherwise be, you know, than than being alone or, you know, whatever.
1: Right. Right. Like, and that seems like the implication is maybe it changed the actual manner of death, but even if it doesn't, it at least, like even if she still would have died the same way, no matter what, um, she at least has those relationships and that feeling that there were people that cared about her and tried to help her any way that they could. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, maybe that's the free will is your actions, but also, you know, your attitudes toward them and, and how, a relationship can change your attitude towards something. Both Cassie maybe it gives her some peace, but Buffy, I think Buffy feeling like she has to at least try. And the fact that she did and knows that she did, you know, rather than I think do what Principal Wood does and say, Well, I can't I can't read her mind, so if she won't tell me what's going on, then I can't do anything about it. Um you know. And that's the the change that they're able, even if their actions are ultimately predetermined, I think there's some effect on their perception of what happens. Mm. Um, So, I mean, we're kind of jumping around, which I think is fine, because it's sort of a story that involves some premonitions, so it's probably a little bit inevitable. Um I noticed we never really get which is this is fine but we never really get a explanation of how she knows these things it's just sort of right you know it's just kind of accepted that that's just a thing that happens to her maybe she is this natural sort of psychic or whatever um but the uh, the one other hint we get is her copy of Slaughterhouse 5 um mm. so unstuck in time maybe could be another Mm -hmm. explanation um sure so um yeah or right right i mean there's
0: sort of a hint or i i mean certainly not explicit but i've always sort of read that there's a hint that some whatever her condition like is that it's it's something causing mm -hmm. you know this um that there's sort of like that there's sort of a tie between the two. I don't...
1: Right, there's like a side effect of... I don't know that that... ...kind of thing.
0: Like, it doesn't even... Because it's like a heart failure or, or something. Like, I don't even remember exactly what it is that she has. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, maybe not even... Oh, yeah, heart failure caused by congenital condition, according to this summary that I'm reading right now. But... Um, yeah, I mean, she, like, there's no, there's no real explanation, like, as to what gives her the abilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they're not even, like, I mean, I guess they're, like, precognitive, but they're, like, it's not even, like, like, she doesn't even see, it. It's, these aren't, like, Cordy's visions or, you know, whatever. Like, like, she's right. not having visions. She, it's just, it's more like feelings or, like, right. like, she knows that something's going to happen and maybe she sees like little snapshots, but it's not even like enough to like call a vision per se, um, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. So um, did you yeah. did you write down any of the things? I I have to say I didn't take as many notes about what, um, like like about any of the stuff that she like mentions in her visions or whatever like i didn't know if there were if you wanted to talk through any of those items or um anything i mean i don't you
1: mean like like along the the coffee stain kind of line
0: yeah i mean any of those like yeah the coffee stain like she predicts um her friend mike getting a b
1: mm-hmm. um
0: but yeah, like I even even few. that I'm
1: trying to think of what else
0: even that like there there's like There's like a sense to it is like, is she actually predicting that or is she just sort of like teasing him, like, you're not gonna get an A, you'll get a B. Like Right. Like is like there, you know, there's a question there of like maybe she just knows how good of a student he is because they're such good friends or whatever. Right. Right. Um
1: Right. Well, and even with the stain, it's like she doesn't tell Buffy she will get stained. She says, like, oh, you don't want to stain it, so like put a sweater on. So there's a sense of like did she really know or is she just, again, have a feeling that something could happen?
3: Mm.
1: Um, Yeah. And then at the end, it does get into more things. Oh, there's the coins too. She says Mm. something about the coins in the locker. So there's some specific things, but at the end, it gets more into the things that um, are going, you know, projecting into the future. So you mentioned the one about, to Buffy, you will be able to help, um, Mm -hmm. which kind of says like, you can't help me, but maybe you can help other people, you know, Mm. you can make a difference even if it's not right now. Um, and then with Spike, there's the kind of vague illusion of someday she'll tell you. Um, so we don't Mm. obviously know, I mean, she, I guess is Buffy, but tell him what is, uh, the question. That is Um, a question. So, uh...
0: What do you think? Just, do you have a thought or an idea of what um, she's predicting there?
1: I mean, my guess, and you don't have to tell me if it's right or not. Maybe that she loves him back. That would be my guess. Like that feels like the end of that sentence kind of, Mm. of like, if we're talking about things that Spike wants to hear from Buffy, it seems like that might be the thing he wants to hear. Um, Is that it's, it's a mutual, you know, relationship. Um, Perhaps. So I don't know. Or that's what you're supposed to think. And really it's something else. Right. Which is also the way that Whedon goes, so.
0: Maybe she'll tell him that she wants pizza for dinner. Right. Someday. Someday she'll tell him that.
1: Again, this could be a vague feeling of Cassie's that really isn't very specific. Um, (laughs) But, I don't know, the way that she says it of uh, sounding like something hopeful that spike wants to hear um that's what comes to my mind Mm. um so yeah so i mean we will we will see uh how and when and if those prophecies sort of come true um I mean, Buffy's is even more vague. Of course, she has helped people. She will continue to help people. I don't have any doubt that that is a true prediction sure. of some kind. Maybe there's a specific reference there, but mostly that seems like, yeah, that's what Buffy does is is help others. So, um. um so we wanted to talk about some of the other like characters that get involved. Like, so Buffy, when she doesn't get anywhere with principal wood, she kind of recruits her friends. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, you know, she has the Scoobies doing research kind of into Cassie's like school records and everything. Um, and I guess specifically with Dawn, um, I kind of really liked the Dawn-Cassie relationship. And in the end, I feel like that's one of the most moving parts about it is... Um, Dawn's reaction in the end. Of, like, her the sincerity of her grief and everything. Um, I think Michelle Trachtenberg played that really well. Um, sure. The, like, you get and, how and- upset and distraught she is. And how she is that distraught, but is also trying to get Buffy to understand how it wasn't her fault and she shouldn't be blaming herself for what happened.
0: Yeah. Um, another example, perhaps, of the Dawn haters not taking into consideration everything that Dawn does.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I like that it could have easily gone in a direction of, like, Cassie finds out that Dawn was sent to be friends with her. And so there's, like, a betrayal aspect of, you know, you're not really my friend, that kind of thing. But, like, no, it just doesn't go there. Yeah. They kind of like each other and get along. And Cassie does figure it out, but she doesn't hold it against her. And... She kind of takes it as, oh, like these two people really care about me. Um, You know, and Dawn doesn't, it doesn't ever become a chore. It's something that she really does take seriously and really does like Cassie and wants to help her. So I like the kind of, you know, that's not the obvious route with teenage girls. Like it never gets into broken promises and betrayed Mm -hmm. friendships it's just like oh no these are just nice people trying to like help each other sure (laughs) so yeah i thought that relationship worked really well um and really well considering it's just this episode you know sure um
0: yeah so contrasting this to razor then (laughs)
1: Exactly. Like, That's what I was
0: just thinking. Like, yeah. having an episode about, I'm, you know, Cassie only appears in this episode, as far as we know. No. Um, but, like, yeah, that idea of, like, here's a character we can actually, like, care about. And, like, they develop her in half the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> in a much better way than...
1: Right. Kendra Shaw. Right. And have very... Um, believable grief when she's gone at the end like even though she only knew her for like half an episode you really feel dawn's sadness at that um so Mm -hmm. yeah um all right xander goes with buffy to talk to cassie's dad so i don't know that we i mean we kind of find out like It's not, this is the mystery aspect of it, is Buffy, Cassie tells her it's not a suicide. So she kind of is not totally convinced, but is kind of uh, potentially crossing that off the list. And then they go to like, okay, well, somebody's going to hurt her. So they, you know, go to the uh, dad who has like a record and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Uh, he does have a record, but it turns out it's not him that he's not abusive and he's not going to do anything because she won't be there that night. Um, And it doesn't sound like he's like an abusive dad anyway. Um, So um, then she goes to um, Spike for some help um, who doesn't help right away, but ends up jumping in uh, to sort of not totally save the day, but at least give Buffy the help that she that she needs to beat the demon at the end. Um, so he's still kind of his same slightly loopy self, but has enough self-awareness to come to Buffy's aid when she asks. So maybe getting a little bit of his awareness back Mm -hmm. um you know it's a little little hard to say but it kind of seems like he's able to sort of listen to what she asks and make a decision in a way that he might not have been able to like an episode ago sure um yeah So yeah, I don't know anything else with. I mean, we talked about Cassie's prediction. So I don't know if there's anything else with Spike that really is no. Super I mean, important.
0: he's just kind of, kind of there. Like I mean, yeah. No, I think I think just noting that he's there and kind of helps out. But yeah, you're like I think you're right. Like he does seem to be getting a little more control maybe over himself, but. Still, kind of has a a bit of a weird side.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna go kind of lump the kind of climax in together. Um, of we talked a bit about like Cassie's actual death and her like the medical reasons for that, but then there's this whole bit with. The kid who has the coins in his locker, which leads Buffy to figuring out that there are these boys that are targeting Cassie for something, mm-hmm. and then we find that it's this cult sort of um led by uh the kid from home improvement um and they're sacrificing her to this to raise the demon, and they're gonna get rich off of this um right. So it's not really about her so much. I guess they just kind of pick her because... And there's a little bit of like a Macbeth paradox here of... Okay, they pick her because she's sort of dark and goth. But also like... You know, if if her condition is sort of at all worsened by the stress of this whole situation, then are they also like causing the thing that's causing her to be like dark sure. and goth? So there's this... Again, that loop of like you're not quite sure where it started. Um,
0: sure, like maybe you know, just because this condition existed, maybe the like fright or excitement of right what you know being kidnapped, what they put and, her through, and yeah, put through this ceremony, like triggers something that right. otherwise wouldn't have been triggered. Yeah, I never, right. so I actually never yeah. thought of that, but I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a, like, causality, causality loop there. Um, but, um, right. I mean, after and, the... It's kind of the bookend with um, Amanda, the student, talking about a boy teasing her. It's like, okay, it comes back again to these sure. boys targeting girls, you know, for some reason or other, whether it's a cult or just sort of right. mundane. and it um, is just
0: sort of her weirdness and what they might see as her like infatuation with death right. that maybe makes her a target because you see right. him like there's the point where he comes up and is like uh asking about like, Oh, did anyone invite you to the dance or whatever? And, Oh, I was just taking a poll. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's, is it does he ask Cassie or is it Dawn that he's asking?
1: I think he asked Dawn. It's, I felt like it was him distracting Dawn so that maybe the other guys like because Cassie's gone when Dawn turns around. Oh, to um,
0: like kidnap her.
1: That was that was the impression that I. Yeah, had.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I think that's right. Yep. Because then it's like the next scene where they're like right uh, doing what, with-
1: but it is that general sense of like mean boys, um, right like, who, yeah, go after
0: Like, I was just the kidding. Gr- the no girls that they, to the dance yeah, anyway. Yeah. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right, um, right.
1: Um, and I do get, spe- I, I kind of wanted to come to this of, like, Buffy's, the way she integrates the slaying with her counseling of, like, you know, when faced with, like, actual physical, I mean, it's more than bullying. They're going to kill this girl. But, like, When dealing with this kind of situation, like the fact that Buffy does just like beat them up and kind of like threatens to do that of like, um, like it's all about connection and I'm going to connect with your face if you Mm. like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know what this says about me, but it's like at a certain point, yeah, like if you're Buffy... And maybe this is the only solution with Buffy, with the bullies, is, like, just put them in their place, you know? Like, if they're going to, like, physically assault girls, then, like, yeah, why can't Buffy, as the counselor, like, you know? It just is kind of a funny, you're putting her in that position of school school counselor, but that doesn't mean she stops being the slayer. Um, Sure. And, yeah, a demon turns up. But, um, you know, it's kind of Buffy using all of her resources to do her job and, like, protect a girl who's in danger. And part of that means, you know, connecting her fists with the faces of of the, you know, these boys and everything. So it's just kind of a funny commentary on, I guess, like, the ineffectualness of school counselors, of, like... Oh, you can't always say the right thing or do the right thing. And it's like, but maybe you could like go beat up the kid that's gonna sure. pick on another kid. Um, um I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying like I I think it's playing with that and what is the role of a counselor and how far can you take your duty and everything.
0: Maybe I don't have you ever seen the uh the movie one eight seven with Samuel L. Jackson? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, so maybe not quite that far, but in, in in that he plays a school counselor who like, basically ends up killing these kids who are like terrifying, you know, 187 being the police code for murder. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Gotcha. But anyway, so maybe not quite that dark, but like close. Right.
1: <laughs> right, and I don't see this necessarily as like a dark moment. It seems no, like- No, no, no. But- like this seems like Buffy being like, you wanted a counselor. Well, it's my job to protect this student. And darn, if I'm not going to do everything in my power to protect this student, like maybe a moment of Wood getting more than he bargained for, depending on what we end up thinking about what he bargained for. Um, anyway.
0: Sure. Um, I know we already sort of skipped over it, but we actually missed one student in the uh, litany oh. of students that Buffy counsels, um, which is, of course, Dawn. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's that That's right. um, somewhat humorous moment of where yes. like, Buffy's like, oh, it sounds like it must be difficult for you. Like maybe your sister makes it hard for you to establish yeah. your own identity.
1: <laughs> right. And Dawn's just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Right and yeah, each, and she borrows moments, my clothes so, without asking.
0: <laughs> I understand. That must
1: be hard. <laughs> the um, the kind of echoed moments of each of them saying, "She's my sister," yes, like right, you know, which like so I, like I, their their sisterly quarrels have turned into a more humorous and affectionate thing than they were. I think, like some of the. Not all of it, but some of the bitterness is gone. And it's sure. more playful now, I think.
0: Um, I I do that with my brothers. Um, being, being the oldest of three brothers. Uh, but, like, both of my brothers... So, my one brother, Mike, especially, is, like, much more well-known around town than I am. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of various activities and, like, he has his band and, like, this and that. And so, like, whenever... Like, it seems like I'll go places and just randomly, like, meet people who know him. And mm-hmm. they'll always oh, you're Mike's brother. No, no, he's my brother. Like, my brother. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. here first. <laughs> he yeah. came along later. <laughs> um, so that's totally a sibling thing. But, right, uh, right. yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I agree. Like, it definitely is more playful at this point. But um, that is a funny scene of, you know you know, Buffy having to play the role of the counselor and listen to the students' Mm -hmm. troubles. Um,
2: Although we don't
0: get to see, like, how Dawn got sent there, like, like to her. Like, what caused that?
1: Or did Dawn just choose to go because she has a captive audience and Buffy has to listen (laughs) and can't say anything. Right. Um, Yeah. But
0: there's a funny moment. Um, I don't... So... I don't know that there's much else, but was, were there any other pieces you wanted to talk through? Um, we kind of did skip around a lot, but um, um, we didn't really talk much about Xander or Willow, and there's not much to say about right. them. So I don't know.
2: No,
1: I mean they go on their walk and uh, to Tara's grave, and mm-hmm. you know, and Willow kind of talks about her uncertainty and being back, but it's kind of the same things that she said to Giles. So it's not really anything right? too new there. I guess the only other thing to note is the line about how she's in Scooby's kind of, but not fully. So she's mm. around somewhat and helping with some of the research, but not really a full fledged sure. member of the team again. So, And we've seen Don
0: doing more of some of that research and stuff. Sure, sure.
1: So, I mean, that's not, I don't want to take that too far, but it's just noting the kind of gradual rehabilitation of her Mm -hmm. back to her full old self. Um, So I think that's kind of all I have for Xander and Willow. Um, And we kind of talked about Cassie's death already. So is there any, I don't know.
0: I don't, is there I don't any other things I, we
1: didn't really get into I don't
0: think we i think we' fit everything really I mean, yeah, I mean, Cassie unfortunately dies um but she knew what was happening, and like the one the sort of question that I still have at the end is like it makes you wonder like how long she knew like mm. like was this something where like like how much of her sort of fascination with death is because she knew, you know, but like, it appears like she's had this sort of reputation for a while of being,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if morbid's the right word, but like weird or whatever. Like people seem to know like that she has this, like, is it, is it something that happened recently or, or has been around a while? I, you know, hard to say, I guess we don't, find that out but it's like you know given how much peace she has about it too like it seems like that's something that would come with Mm -hmm. a significant amount of time Mm -hmm. um not like you know like she's known more than like a week (laughs) right like it it doesn't seem like someone who's only known a week especially a teenager who's known about it a week would be sort of as peaceful and you know about it um, and sort of zen about it. Um, So it makes you wonder like, yeah, like how long she knew and, and,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, if she knew like the exact date, like all those years, or if it was more like as she got closer, she just kind of knew it was coming closer. And then eventually she kind of knew what day it would be.
1: Right. Because there's, I mean, she's sent to counseling because there's been this drop in her performance in school, but yeah, maybe she's been, vaguely aware of it for a long time and only recently had a sense of like when it was going to be and that could create um, the kind of <clears throat> more depressive aspects of feeling the pointlessness of of sure. her school life and everything
0: um, there's also uh the name cassandra uh, which sure i didn't know, even
1: think of that Greek. which is embarrassing yeah
0: You know uh, Greek mythology. um, You have this sort of prophetic person who nobody sort of believes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, yep. So, I mean, I you know I don't know how far to take that per se, but like, just sort of would be surprised if that wasn't part of the name. Yeah, you know,
1: no, that absolutely, I would find it very hard to believe that it's not. So, yeah. Um,
0: and then just one other little tidbit. Um, this maybe was more production note, but, uh, I'll mention it now is, uh, as part of, with, with the show, uh, they had actually put up her, a website with like her poetry and stuff, um, at Cassie newton.com. It's no longer like, it's now just sort of a blank website now, but, um, Mm -hmm. I did share in, um, notes here and you you know we can put up in in the show notes uh yeah there's um you know there's like an archive.org you know crawl of the of Mm -hmm. the page and i mean it's not like super whatever but it was um it was written by the the website content was written by uh uh rebecca Kirshner rand or rand Kirshner or whatever her name is sorry Mm -hmm. i forget it off the top of my head um who who wrote the episode here. So um, just kind of worth noting that they had like it was sort of a there was sort of a multimedia component to it, I guess. Um mm-hmm. as they I as I think we've mentioned they've done with other websites and stuff um throughout the show or web pages or or whatever here and there. Sure. Um so just kind of, you know, again like like, not that the internet's brand new at this point, but, like, still kind of feeling out, like,
2: mm-hmm. the sort right. of
0: interplay with, you know, How on- can we use this? online yeah. audiences and forums and um, right. that kind of thing. And and apparently, like, in the, you know, metadata for the website, there was some, like, play, like, it actually said, like, you know, registered in, like, Sunnydale and, like, had, like, a fake mm-hmm. phone number with a... 666 in it and that kind of thing you know so like just some of those sort of little things but um yeah anyway interesting um yeah so cool nothing uh nothing really other than those we'll be uh we'll be back next week with some more angel and uh yeah more uh into season
1: four proper of PSG. Yes. Yep. Sounds good. See you then.